Those who enjoy the greatest freedom in Christ are those who live the most disciplined lives. Sound like a paradox? Absolutely. But this reality is one of the key lessons we must learn on the road to freedom. Hey, I'm Nate Dancer. This is Purity for Life. In today's episode, we'll take a look at why discipline is part and parcel with growth as a Christian. Discipline in the Christian life is two-sided. On the one hand, God expects us to discipline ourselves for godliness. A disciplined life is a blessed life. You know, you are not going to receive the blessings of the Lord if you are living an undisciplined life. And as you develop a godly lifestyle, you become tuned into the Holy Spirit much more and more and more and more. And over time, that becomes second nature. But on the other hand, we need a father who will bring loving discipline into our lives for our good. The Lord wants us to discipline ourselves, but there comes a time that if we don't discipline ourselves, he will step in and discipline us. And he is a master at reconfiguring the human soul. The end result of this process of discipline is deep, profound peace and freedom. And if that sounds good, then stay with us because we'll be talking with Pastor Steve Gallagher about why living a disciplined life is one of the key lessons on the road to freedom. Here we go. All right, so this is the eighth episode in a series that we've called Key Lessons on the Road to Freedom. I've got Pastor Steve here in the studio with me. Pastor Steve, president of Pure Life Ministries. Thanks for coming in. Happy to be here. (laughs) All right, so again, this series... Uh, The point of this series is to help people know what things are going to be foundational for living a life of victory after repentance. Hmm. So repentance is the thing that changes their whole life's direction and puts them on a new path, and then there are going to be really key things they need to know as they're walking toward victory. Um, and I, I chose you for this episode because we're going to talk about living a disciplined life, and I know that that is really important for you. You stress that a lot. You wrote an entire chapter dedicated to that in your book, At the Altar of Sexual Idolatry. So why, why is living a disciplined life so key for someone who's on the road to freedom? Well, I mean, when you think about addiction, you can't help but think of someone out of control, you know, and they, they've lost control of their life, the way they should be living their life, and something else is dominating it. So we have to bring things back to a controlled sort of existence. And uh, yeah, repentance is definitely the beginning of it all. You don't get anywhere without that. But what is repentance? It is a 180. It's a whole new lifestyle that you are coming into. Well, you don't just, you know, have a powerful experience with the Lord and then you're just a new person. Hopefully your attitudes, your values, your direction in life, your thinking is new, but you've got a lifetime of habits. And so those habits have to be changed. The bad habits have to be put off and the new habits have to be taken on. And so, yeah, the disciplined life is such a 
fundamental and key part of that new lifestyle of mm-hmm. godliness. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that you talked about in the chapter I mentioned, I think it's called Disciplined for Holiness, right? Yes. Um, and you mentioned that at the beginning of the Christian life, the Lord actually gives new believers a lot of leeway, right? They're learning to live a new life, and it feels like there's just a lot of freedom in a sense. But then as you mature, the road is becoming narrower and narrower in a sense. What did you mean by that? Why does he do it that way? Well, I mean, the primary metaphor Jesus uses to describe coming into that new life is to be born again, right? So that means that once that has happened, then you are literally like a spiritual baby. Mm. And babies have zero control, you know? (laughs) I mean, they're pretty, well, they can be (laughs) kind of out of control. Um, But a parent understands that. The parent looks at this baby with nothing but love and adoration and doesn't get mad at him. I mean, not if it's a good parent. Mm -hmm. Doesn't get angry because he does babyish things. And so the Lord's that way, and he gives us a lot of latitude, but he doesn't want us to stray too far and get back into um, really bad habits. So he, there are boundaries, but they're wide. And, um, you know, I've used, to, I've used this illustration, well, probably years ago now, but back in the old days when we first began the residential program, we had cows. And uh, we, had, we have 45 acres there on campus. And so we had a place where the fences came to almost like a triangle. And at the end of that triangle was a gate. That's where we wanted to get them because the cows would get out. And so we had to herd them back. And we would, it started off in this broad area. And we just started working and working them until we got to that point of getting them through that gate. And that's kind of how it is with the Christian life. The Lord gives us a lot of latitude, but he's heading for a place where we are really, in a very real way, walking on the narrow path. And that is the Christian life. And the thing of being all over the place, that's not Christianity. Although at first, you know, the Lord does give us some room with that. Uh, But he's looking to get us to the place where we really are on that narrow path and no longer on the broad way mm-hmm. where you do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know in my own life, I've definitely seen where it seems like at different points along the way, the Lord like presses his finger on something and it's like, it's time to deal with this. Where 10 years ago, I I didn't even consider that area of my life. Mm-hmm. But he just keeps bringing it up, different things. It's like, all right, it's time to deal with this now and bringing it under his control, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the key lessons in this series was keep first things first. And that was all about making sure that your time with God is a priority in your life. Every morning you're spending quality time with him, Bible study and prayer. Um, and I know that that's one discipline that you have really stressed. What are some other disciplines that you've found are essential for people? 
Yeah, well, this new lifestyle that you're taking on to be a follower of Christ now instead of just a follower of your own desires is going to include becoming disciplined in a lot of ways, you know, because in the past you just did whatever you felt like doing. Every whim, every desire, that's what I'm going to do. And you weren't really answering to anyone. Maybe if you were a so-called Christian going to church, a professing Christian, you know, okay, so there were a few little things you didn't do or a few things you did do. Sure. But we're talking about now a spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And to have a spiritual life means you're going to have to rein some things in. For instance, entertainment. Maybe in the past you got home from work and you just plopped down in front of a television set Mm -hmm. for hours you know, or maybe not, it it was such a part of your home, it would just be going and you'd be walking around doing other stuff and this thing's blasting and who knows what it's bringing into your home, you know. So that just became a picture almost of your inward life because it's like just letting any spirit that's out there just come in at will because when you turn that television set on, you are opening yourself up. And Mm. so you have to be really careful about what you watch, how much, et cetera. That's that. You have the internet, you have radio, you know, so it runs across the whole entertainment spectrum to be disciplined. But not just that, you know, the inward life also becomes a life of discipline because you've got to control your thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just let your, for instance, let's say you, you're at a job and you have a coworker you don't particularly like or, or you just don't get along with real well or something. In the past, you just harbor bitterness and animosity. You might gossip about him. You might, you know, just respond to him in a nasty sort of way. Well, that's got to change. So you're disciplining the way you think, the way you talk, you know, and so your mind wants to, well, it's really your flesh, wants to go over into that kind of bitter, ugly thing, and you stop it and you say, no, I'm not going to be like that. I am trying to be like Christ. Hmm. So, yeah, the prayer life, the time in the Word, that is what sets the stage for every single day. If you have time with God, it's going to go a whole lot better for you. If you don't have time with God, it's going to go worse. And uh, the other thing I want to add to that is, generally speaking, people can habituate themselves in good ways. So, you know, I've talked in the past about how my devotional life has become just absolutely set in stone. I, I mean, the thought of not doing is it's not even in my my mind. It's not possible. And I've been on planes and, you know, all night flights and stuff, and I turn the, my little light on in my seat, and I'm, you know, maybe three in the morning or whatever, but I'm sitting there with my computer. I'm with the Lord. So it doesn't matter where I'm at, what country, what time zone. When I get up or wake up, you know, that's the first thing I do. And that sets a pattern for my entire day. And once that becomes a habit pattern in your life, it just becomes much easier for you. And you and I have talked, and not everyone is is as habitual as I tend to be. So for some people, it's a little more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's like every morning, you kind of have to get yourself to do it maybe. But for me, it's effortless mm-hmm. because it's so second nature. And that just 
like I'm saying, that is what establishes the pattern of your day as being with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love what you said about having to discipline your your mind, having to discipline just your inward life. Because I remember, like one thing you had told me years ago was really, really helpful. It was basically like because I'm I'm a thinker. And so in my mind, there's almost like, I don't know if I would say like a safe range where I can enjoy thinking, explore ideas, think about problems and try to solve them. But there's a level at which if I just let my mind go, it's extremely dangerous because it's the flesh, right? And Mm. it's just getting into really dangerous territory. Emotions, I think, are similar. Mm. If you just let yourself go wherever your emotions want to take you. It can be very, very dangerous. So, yeah, what you were saying about those is really, really helpful. Like, we need to learn to not just go with every inclination and every desire. There has to be like a... I don't. It's weird. It's like you're controlling another part of you uh-huh. that just wants to do whatever. Well, you're talking about your emotions. I want to just add a little thought to that. Is um, there have been times when I've been around, and this years ago, okay, mm-hmm. uh, but around like pretty girls or whatever, and maybe they have the kind of personality I would naturally be drawn to. So if I let my emotions go, I could get into it. And we hear about pastors. I have a good friend pastor many years uh, who got into an emotional affair with the girl that worked for him. He didn't go cross the final line, but it was bad, and it really deeply hurt his wife, you know, and, and he recovered from it, and he's right with the Lord now. But, um, but that's what can happen. I know for myself, that was one thing because that's what I was. I was a chronic womanizer. So that was one thing early on, that there was an absolute closed door in my heart about other women in that emotional realm, you know, because that is for my wife. Mm -hmm. My love, my affection in that way is only for my wife, and it's like a closed door. And I've had, you know, this was when I was younger Mm -hmm. and kind of even good-looking maybe a little bit. (laughs) That's long past. But, you know, there were girls who were obviously attracted to me and kind of making themselves available to me, but it was an absolute stop sign with me. And it never went anywhere because of that. Mm. So that was just one more example of being inwardly disciplined. Mm -hmm. Um, So... We touched on this a little earlier, but let's say you've got a a really new believer, and so he's got probably 10, 15 areas of his life that is going to need eventually to be disciplined for your own life or when you've looked at or helped other people. How do they know when the Lord is like, okay, we need to deal with this? Well, I think what happens typically the way the Lord works is he'll start allowing them to get into situations or maybe even putting them in situations where that thing will keep coming up, keep mm. coming up, keep coming up. And then you start you know, reading the handwriting and you start realizing, okay, maybe the Lord's trying to speak to me. I have – you said this earlier, you referred to this um, – 
I have an area in my life right now that the Lord is dealing with, and I can look back on my past and see where he was trying to speak to me at other times, and I just wasn't really taking it that seriously. Mm. And somehow he really has gotten my attention. Now, this is 40 years (laughs) into this Christian life. And just now, getting at this thing in me, this tendency in me, um, it's a mental thing, you know. So uh, it's not sexual sin, but it's something else I won't go into. But he's just now able to get my attention. So 40 years, he is patiently, long-suffering, you know, putting up with this thing that comes out of me occasionally. And, you know, that's our Heavenly Father. He Mm. loves us and he's patient. But he wants that thing out of my heart. And I want it out of my heart now, too. Mm. So we're working together. We're we're making progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found in my own life that it usually feels like there's a convergence of different things. Mm. Like I'll hear a sermon about it. And then somebody will bring it up. And it just starts kind of clicking like, oh, this is coming up a lot. Yeah. And I don't know that I always hear it immediately, like you said. But it's yeah, he's the Lord is extremely patient. I'm thankful for that. He's amazing. <laughs> um, so discipline, I don't know, is there any painless discipline? It doesn't seem like it. Um, yeah, I, I think that discipline that becomes a habit pattern is fairly painless. Mm. Uh, but, okay. it's, but it's a good point that you're bringing up because I, I will say this just as a general rule. The Lord wants us to discipline ourselves, but there comes a time that if we don't discipline ourselves, he will step in and discipline us. And there is no painless discipline with the Lord as far as I know, mm. you know, because he has allowed us the opportunity to establish those boundaries within us or in our own life. And if we're just blowing it off, blowing it off, and it's something important, he's eventually going to step in. And he has dealt with me severely at times, you know, painful, painful, very painful, and over a protracted period of time, painful. That was a, like a pride issue for me years ago that he dealt with. And um, I thank him, I thank him, I thank him for it because I know what I was like before, and I know what I've been like since that Mm. period. Just so much more joy and freedom inside me since he extracted that aspect or that kind of pride out of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it would be great if we could talk a little bit more about God's discipline, because it's inevitable, for sure. (laughs) Um, I was actually just on a staff retreat with some guys, and we were looking at the whole topic of pruning, that God prunes us, you know? And that's for people who are bearing fruit. Like, when you bear fruit, he prunes you because he's looking for even more. Uh Um, And so I think there is some real advantage for God actually disciplining us, and I think we should talk about that a little bit. Yeah. In other words, well, what I had said earlier is when we don't do it ourselves, then he has to step in and do it. And what you're bringing out is that, yeah, that's one motivation for the Lord, but there are other ways that he can discipline us so much more effectively than we can discipline ourselves. 
So even though we may have a right heart and be headed in the right direction, he can see areas where, you know what, if I just did such and such, I know that I could do a better job of bringing him out of that thing mm. than he could do for himself mm. even. Okay. So I'm thinking of like um, like Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 is that passage where he's talking about God's discipline. And it says here in verse 9, we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. And, you know, what stands out to me about God's discipline in our lives is even to have a good father, a godly father, he's so limited in how he handles things because he's, he's limited in his thinking. God knows everything about us. He knows every strain inside of our heart, you know, where our thinking pattern has gotten out of whack. And he knows exactly, precisely how to reach in there and introduce something into our lives or whatever, bring us into situations or, or sermons or whatever to get at that specific thing where a father is kind of groping around, fumbling in the dark, trying to, you know, I know my son needs discipline, but I'm not sure exactly how to do it. And that's a godly father. How many fathers, like my father was anything but godly, and he would lash out at me or he would, his discipline was inconsistent and usually out of anger and impatience. Never did he ever sit down with me as a loving father put his arm around me and say, you know, son, I can see where this is really hurting you to this attitude or what you've been doing. Never once did I ever experience anything like that. Mm. But God has been that way with me. And so I love it that he knows exactly what needs to be disciplined, but how much discipline we can handle, when's the best time to do it, mm. how's the best way to do it. He is a master at reconfiguring the human soul. Mm. He's just, uh, yeah, he's, his ways of dealing with this is mm. just astounding. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, because discipline essentially means I'm going against my inclinations, it'd be very easy to just, let's just follow my inclinations and follow my desires and my whims. Discipline is basically like standing against that. Yeah. Um, what's the, I don't know, what's the value of doing the hard thing in situations like that? Because we just, in America, we, I'm not, very rarely do we talk about the value of doing the hard thing. Well, it's tremendously valuable, that's for sure, um, because, I mean, on a number of levels and for a number of reasons. Um, I can just tell you this, that a disciplined life is a blessed life. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you are not going to receive the blessings of the Lord if you are living an undisciplined life. Undisciplined really just means you're living in the flesh. Because those natural inclinations you're describing, that is, that nature is your fallen nature. So that's the inclinations of a fallen nature that seems so normal 
to follow. And as you develop a godly lifestyle, you become tuned into the Holy Spirit much more and more and more and more. And over time, mm. that becomes second nature. And, you know, so living a godly life isn't something that's painful or overly difficult or miserable or yeah. something. Not at all. Because you're being freed up as God works discipline into your life. You're being freed up of the self-life that has been a tyrant inside you, that has kept you in bondage to a lot of different things. And every time the Lord's able to extract one of those things out of your self-life, um, yeah, like that issue of pride in my life, man, just the freedom, the joy, the sense of fulfillment in life I have experienced since then. That was about 10 years ago. Since then, has just been, I, I just don't have words to describe it. Mm. So, um, yeah, just a disciplined life is a blessed life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you touched on how free you are now inside, and that's after 40 years of you going against your own inclinations and also that painful discipline from the Lord. So, you know, your life now compared to your life 40 years ago is probably vastly different. Um, yeah. Well, one thing that I don't think people understand with me, 90% of the guys that we deal with in our residential program, for instance, they're guys that are sitting in church. Their life is pretty much in order, but they're into pornography. So inside, they have corrupted themselves. They're, you know, headed in some bad directions. Maybe they've done some things, you know, stuff like that. But I just don't have the words, and I and I don't like talking about it too much because maybe for some people they would think I was bragging, which I'm not. I never brag about my life of sin because to me it's it's abhorrent. I'm ashamed of the way I was. I could tell you things I did. They're too humiliating to even talk about, you know, crimes that I did, people that I hurt, and I grew up that way, you know. I mean, I was on the streets when I was 11, so I'm out there stealing, and, you know, that's how I set the stage for the rest of my life, and it inwardly got worse and worse and worse until by the end, the things I was doing was just absolutely abhorrent. So most of the people that we deal with, the guys that we deal with, they're not that far gone. Like, I'm trying to get at a point. Okay. <laughs> got to make sure I don't lose track because I am 69. <laughs> the point is that I needed so much help from the Lord. To It took years even to become somewhat like at a normal state of life just to kind of operate in life as a normal person would operate, never mind godliness or anything, but just mm -hmm. just to not be weird or to be uh, not to be um, hateful and cruel in the things that I was. Mm -hmm. So I had to go through such extensive discipline by God. So 40 years later, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I've been through the gamut of it, and I needed every bit of it, and I, and I need more, no doubt. Mm -hmm. um, 
But for most of the guys we deal with, they didn't dig themselves into a pit that deep. Mm. They don't have that far to go to get to a place of mm. living a godly life. Mm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, getting back to what you're saying, mm. the freedom, man, the bondage, the level of bondage I was in just in so many different ways, not just sexual sin, that was one, but just my interactions with people, my suspicious nature, my the nature to uh, mm. take advantage of people or, or you know, things that are just corrupt ways of viewing people and so on. Mm. I mean, you know, I've been freed up of all that stuff. Mm. And um, yeah, I don't know how else to say it other than I'm just such a happy person Mm. and live in that happiness. Mm. Yeah, I think that really gives people motivation to just invite, you know, invite the Lord, deal with me in whatever way I need it, and to appreciate that God is not trying to inhibit us or restrict us or, you know, just rule over us with like an iron fist. He only wants our good. (laughs) Yeah, well, Jesus came to set us free from the power of sin, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I don't think people think through really what does it mean to really be free inside. Mm -hmm. Man, I wish I could somehow paint the picture, Mm -hmm. you know, um, of what a joyful life it really is. All right, that's it for this episode. But before we go, in John, Jesus said, If you remain in my words, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, I don't know if you've sensed it, but it seems to me like something has really changed over the last few years. It's like a flood of deceptive spirits have been unleashed in our world, and it seems like everywhere we turn, we're being lied to. Now, as Christians, we need to realize that because we have a fallen nature, we are also susceptible to the lies of the enemy, Whether he's telling us falsehoods about the Christian life, or lying to us about God, or holding out the false promises of pornography and sexual sin. There's only one thing that's going to keep us safe from the tremendous deception in our days, and that is a love for the truth. So, if you're hungry to be in an atmosphere that's filled with people who are earnestly seeking truth, we'd love to invite you to our 2024 annual conference. The theme is truth. It will set you free. It will keep you free. The pre-conference for marriage and family will be held on Thursday, May 2nd, and the main conference will be on Friday and Saturday, May 3rd and 4th. We're going to be releasing a lot more details in the months ahead, but please mark your calendars, prayerfully consider joining us. Again, pre-conference on Thursday, May 2nd, main conference Friday and Saturday, May 3rd and 4th. All right, that's it for today. God bless. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.